Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome into the show. This is what they call the Balloon Party. My name is Dan McLaughlin, filling in for Tim McKernan. couple of great guests coming up. We'll visit with Chris Gervino, who does the sidelines on Missouri football, their radio broadcast, also the analyst on Missouri Tiger basketball. And we kick things off. We're going to talk a lot of baseball in this hour with the outstanding beat writer from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch with the Baseball Writers' Dinner coming up. And headlining that, undoubtedly, will be one Derek Gould. Derek, uh, good morning, uh, and uh, thanks for being part of the show. How are you, buddy? Yes, I, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for the introduction. I think I'm way down on the list of, uh, yeah, of, part, of everything. I don't even know like if I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there, but uh, but no, the the dinner will hinge around uh, Tosa and uh, and Adam Wainwright um, celebrating their careers. That'll be a lot of fun. I want to get into that uh, momentarily, but let's uh, dive into what the Cardinals have done this off season with their additions: Kyle Gibson, mm-hmm. Lance Lynn. Those are the most notable. Just uh, the off season in general. What have you thought of the Cardinals and what they've done? Well, you know, it's it's. It's one thing to like criticize them through the years for not having enough known innings, and then I can't then pivot and criticize them for going out and getting known innings. They certainly did that with Sonny Gray, Kyle Gibson, and Lance Lynn. They have now in their rotation, when you include Miles Michaelis as the incumbent, four of fewer than 25 pitchers who threw more than 180 innings last year. That's There were only 23 of them, and now four of them are in the same rotation. Um, they have addressed the biggest need. If there was one thing that caused the Cardinals to plummet last season, it was the fact that they were built on quicksand when it came to innings, and they just never escaped the drag of lacking them. Well, now they have something to hold on to. So, you know, they've thrown, they've been thrown a rope of innings, um, or created a foundation of innings, whatever imagery you want to go with, uh, and that's a really good way to start contending for a division title. They got the offense. I think people will debate whether or not they got the offense. I think the numbers suggest that they have the offense of a contender, a lineup of a contender, and they should have some improvements. Obviously, Jordan Walker in his second year, more Lars Newtbar, less of him on the IL, more of him producing either from the leadoff spot or in that number two spot, a full year of Brendan Donovan being healthy and being on base. All those things will help them um, offensively. And so they now have a rotation upon which to build a contender for a division title. The debate we can have is whether or not that's enough to contend for a National League pennant because the National League Central is comfy and cozy and cute. The National League is a 
beast. Yeah, what did you think of Otani and, and the way that the, the contract is structured and $2 million a year and all that money deferred? And you're the Cardinals, and you're sitting here going, wow, or other major league teams going, wow, that's creative. That's a lot of money. But your initial reaction when you heard about Otani? Not surprised that he went to the Dodgers um, at all. It kind of seemed like from early on in his career – that the the pull was going to be towards the Dodgers, especially as we saw some of the limits be torn down, not insignificantly the DH coming to the National League. Um, you know, the Dodgers have been ever present. Um, talking with you know a couple of riders out there in Los Angeles, was was in Los Angeles. I was reminded of the fact that like their interest in him goes back to his high school days, um, and you know they've been persistent. They've planned ahead. They, uh, they didn't make moves. They didn't make big splashes, knowing that uh, it'd be a big play for him this winter. So I, there wasn't a whole lot of surprise. The number and the structure, of course, was like you hear the $700 million, It's hard not to be surprised by that. And then you kind of root for the other element to, to drop Dan. And it's like, oh, well, when is $700 million not $700 million? It's when it's future money and it's counting on inflation to get it there. And so it's real present day values right around 460, which is still a lot of money. Um, but you start to understand, OK, well, that's how a team can afford it. And in some ways, they're kicking down the expenses. It doesn't change the fact that they still have to commit that money. They're still going to get hit with 46 per year. They still have to guarantee that that money is there. Um, but it frees up so much for them to do um, in the immediate future. And here's this is a question. I, if you don't mind, I'll throw it back at you. Sure. I'm very intrigued by this too. Is like certainly this like helps the Dodgers, but let's not ignore the fact that he's not pitching in 2025. And the thing the Dodgers need most is pitching. So his two million dollar salary and what that alleviates that sure seems essential for them to build a contending team because otherwise what do they have pitching wise? It's like Walker Bueller and friends. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. I, I think it gives them so much flexibility and it seems like they've got endless amounts of money and supply yeah. that if they want to go out and address that, that'll be and no. Prospects. Yeah. And prospects. They've, they'll have no problem whatsoever doing it. What I thought was really interesting is that essentially you were paying for two players, a premier hitter, right. premier pitcher, but one coming off his second Tommy John surgery. And over the course of 10 years, I think that's going to be kind of the fascinating part of this. Is he going to hit? Yes. Is he going to produce offensively? Yes, he will. I have no doubts about that. But a second Tommy John surgery, what does that look like in year, let's say, three, four, or five in the middle of that contract? And if it blows out, you're paying a guy in upwards of $70 million to hit. And that's what's really interesting, I think, about this and the chance that they took. Yeah, you know, and then Walker and Bueller also coming back. Exactly. For the second time to John. So they got two members of their planned 2025 rotation um, in that same spot. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it is fascinating. Um, you know, is, are we going to get to a point once we get through this kind of like RSN fog and, you know, the streaming riches start pouring in and, you know, baseball is able to tap into that like an oil well uh five ten seven years down the road are we going to get to a point where the best hitter in the game is making 60 million dollars and then at that time is otani still going to be one of the best hitters it might work out that way um 
but you're right about like you're paying for two players and that that's why it doesn't really reset the market you know exactly you know if if if, uh if Mookie Betts starts pitching he's already playing shortstop second base but if he starts pitching like Clayton Kershaw then it resets the market if Juan Soto goes out and is the fourth starter for the Yankees giving you know bumping them over and then becomes a free agent then it resets the market but none of that's happening Derek um, Otani is just unique. Absolutely, he is. Derek Gould is our guest from the St. Louis Post Dispatch. I want to go back to the Cardinals. You mentioned some of the outfielders. One of the mm-hmm. guys you didn't mention is Tommy Edmond. If opening day was tomorrow, and it's not, I've got Tommy Edmond penciled in at center field. Would you agree with that? Well, that's how they are advertising it. They are seeing him as their everyday center fielder, and they so the Cardinals certainly and rightfully think that he could go out there and win a Gold Glove. I think what he did in center field is impressive and to be honest like every time they seem to put him in a spot that is like just asking a lot from him whether it's everyday center field which he'd never played or everyday shortstop which it was like can can he handle the rigors of it um he does he does and he does exceptionally well at it defensively he's just one of the best all-around defensive players no matter where you put him in the game and now they'll have him run out in center field but you know, a lot of that will hinge on how Mason Wynn does at shortstop. And I know that it may be kind of counterintuitive, but, you know, if Mason Wynn goes out and he's got to win the shortstop job, it's there for him to take it, but it can't just be defense that gets him there because then you're talking about two spots where it's kind of glove first. Uh, and in some ways, spring is going to set up really interesting as an offensive competition between three guys, Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, and Mason Wynn. And if Dylan Carlson can hit his way into spring training and through spring training, he's going to have to make them make a difficult decision. And while they'll want Mason Wynn to be their starter at shortstop and commit to him there, if he struggles offensively and they make the call that he's got to start the year in AAA to find the bat to make that advancement, um, because, you know, there's a difference between AAA and the majors. The Cardinals learn this every year. Every team does. But, you know, that those April games count in the standings and you your patience or allowance for a guy learning on the job is only so much, um, especially if the team isn't, you know, in a position to carry the offense elsewhere. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into Tommy Edmond, who is the best defensive option in center field. But that's not happening. That decision isn't happening in a vacuum and in a in a really interesting way it's connected to shortstop because Tommy Edmond is your backup there if Mason isn't the starter. I always feel that when Mo goes into his spring training he targets one or two guys that he wants to extend and I've been saying this for months the one guy that I would look at is Paul Goldschmidt you wrote about that the other day and alluded to that in your chat you think I'm I'm on to something there that that Goldie would finish his career as a St. Louis Cardinal. Yeah, Mo brought it up. I, you know, Mo I volunteered that, saying that was something on his mind this winter, um, which is unusual. And he usually brings up something publicly, you know, if that's something he feels confident in. Um, you know, Goldschmidt is one who keeps his thoughts about his contract mostly to himself, but he's pretty open about how he's enjoyed being with the Cardinals. He enjoys playing with Nolan Arenado. Um, you know, obviously both of them want to see – you uh, turn in the standings and the success and they, they want to win championships. They both came to St. Louis 
one via trade, one via trade, and then extension to win championships, to go out there and win pennants. And they have seen, they've only, well, they just are off one of the worst seasons in club history. So they want to see an improvement there. Um, You know, I think that's, you know, he's the most obvious. There are some other ones. Um, You know, one that might be below the radar a little bit is Ryan Helsley. Like, do you talk to him about an extension? Cardinals haven't really done one like that. Um, How about Tommy Edmond? Well, that's why I was just going to say Tommy Edmond. Yeah. Um, You got to know where his future is, and he would need to know it too. Um, It's an interesting case in the fact that um, arbitration could really like him because of his wins above replacement and all he does defensively. And so arbitration could be a real boost for him. Um, If he's not a surefire everyday starter for the length of that extension, is that something the Cardinals want to do? I think this spring is going to add an, another wrinkle to any of those discussions. And I think we're already seeing decisions made on it, Dan, is the unknown of the rights, of the broadcast rights. Um, it, it is not it – is, it is a real presence in the Cardinals' decision-making. You can see that with the one-year deals and the direction they went with Gibson and Lynn. Both of them have options for the following year. So the Cardinals have some flexibility. Well, newsflash, that's not because they expect them to be replaced by younger players. That That's not where the Cardinals' development is at the moment. They would love for it to be that way, but that's not where it is right now. That's because they really don't know where what their TV situation is going to be in 2025. And so they want some flexibility there. Um, so I think that might influence and shape some of the, the, uh, the extension talks that otherwise you would see a little probably probably this would be a really interesting spring for multiple extension talks i don't know if we'll see that um unless they have more clarity on the tv situation i'm going to ask you about a possible extension for maybe a manager and the new coaching staff and also some of the other things that are happening with the St. Louis Cardinals and then dive into the baseball writers dinner, which really is just around the corner. Derek Gould is our guest and he is the outstanding beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. This is 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin filling in this Friday morning as uh, Tim McKernan has a much-deserved day off and kind enough to join us is Derek Gould from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch as we're talking Cardinals baseball. Going to talk a little Mizzou football and basketball later in the show with Chris Trevino, who does the uh, sidelines on football and then the color analyst on basketball for the Missouri Tigers. Derek, I, I teased going into the break the fact that Ali is on the hot seat, I guess, is the best way to put it because he does not have a year on his contract beyond this season. You're coming off a horrific year a season ago. Where do you stand or where do the Cardinals stand right now with Ali and and seeing what that contract may look like as far as an extension? Yeah, I spoke to both Oliver Marmol and John Mozalek about that topic at the winter meetings because I thought it was a story that needed to be you know, explored. Um, I wasn't quite sure what their response was going to be. I had a feel for what Marmol's response was going to be. Did not know if I was going to get the stiff arm from Mosaic or at least uh, have him kick the subject down the road a little bit. He did not. Um, they both addressed it pretty head on. Uh, Marmol has said what he'll say in a lot of situations and you kind of understand it, right? Like, you know, winning takes care of everything. Um, he is vehemently not worried about it because, you know, if 
things go right, it'll work itself out. Um, if they have the team that they're expected to have and he's the manager that he's expected to be, then the contract will work out. Um, Moselle, I said, you know, he's a little bit, you know, he expects to have that conversation at some point. Um, he made the point to me that everybody is um, under scrutiny uh, after a season like that. They, they have to turn things around. And before they they start thinking about extensions or start thinking about signing people, they got to see some elements of turning it around. Um, you know, that that it just happens that it's the manager who has the shortest contract here along with a bench coach who has a multi-year contract. So there's a lot going into it. Um, and a lot of the focus will be on the manager, but I asked about whether or not that might shape a manager's ability to command a clubhouse. Right. Um, and, and I did, I mentioned the optics of having Molina, for example, come sure. back yeah. and be a part of the team. And Moselec said, if he sees that as an issue, he will address it. And that would mean talking, possibly talking to extension. He said he wanted to be aware of it, um, aware of, of what direction the team was headed in, but also around about the tone. And if there's any sort of influence, he doesn't think there will be. But if there's a, a, a hint of it, a hint of the contract being an issue, then they'll address it, quote unquote, we'll address it. What will Yachty's role be? Great question. Um, his title will be special assistant to the president of baseball operations. Um, you know, they, they, that's the title that was available. Uh, and they talked to him about a coaching role, not the bench coach spot. That's key to say here, but more of a universal coach, um, even a coach title that say would be akin to what, uh, Willie McGee has right now, um, on the staff. So one who could be involved in a lot of different things, but not have one special spot. And, uh, you know, the, the, it was the everyday nature and the time commitment to be gone for the entirety of the year that was not appealing to Yair for family reasons, for he owns a basketball team, all those reasons. So his role is going to be occasional, but active. And there'll be times where he's in uniform and in the dugout hey, at a major league game. Derek, let's Number face it. We'll be in the dugout. You got seventy-eight million wrapped up in what year one of a five-year deal with Contreras. You've got to yeah. find. You got to get the best out of him. So if you're going to try to get the best out of him, might as well go to the guy that's been perceived, and in my opinion, is the best defensively that has played in the last two decades. So it makes a lot of sense to me to bring him in the fold and say work with this guy and get him to a level that is better than what we saw a year ago behind the plate. Yeah. It takes both of them wanting to do that. So we'll see how that goes. Good point. Um, That's a good point. You know, it takes both of them. And, and also just to be blunt, it also takes the Cardinals having a little grace. You know, one of the things that we asked a lot about last year was like, you, you know, you sign Wilson Contreras to be Wilson Contreras, not to be Yadier or Molina. At some point in time, the Cardinals have to shift and go, how do you get the best from Wilson Contreras? Or how do you adjust to be like, all right, well, we're going to work around Wilson Contreras. And I think some of that's starting to happen. You know, you know, some of the conversation early on was like, okay, well, this is how we game plan with the Cardinals. And it's like, cool. Well, you signed Wilson Contreras. So maybe change how you game plan yeah. or adjust yeah. to fit. Him. I think that's like, like they, they didn't put 70, you know, $78 million into wondering, you know, like, well, can you be Yachty? 
you know, they put 70 million into like, you're a good player. We want you to be that good player. Now let's amplify that good player. And it seemed unfair to go like, well, why aren't you doing this? Like we've always done it. I've been really curious about Albert Pujols and coming back to the organization, but he's got the 10-year personal services deal. Yeah. You know, can the Cardinals buy that out? Can he get back in uniform with the Cardinals? Is he allowed to do that? I, I get asked about it all the time. I think he's got the itch from people I talk to to maybe get into coaching, and if that's mm-hmm. going to happen, it would be with the Cardinals. But, you know, I, I don't know how that all works out, and if it if it can happen because of the – the 10 years personal services contract that he has with the angels. Do you have any insight on that? I talked to him um, during the world series and he brought up the fact that, you know, like the, there's interest in managing Um, right now. He's kind of absorbing a whole lot of different phases of the game, Um, working on the broadcast side, working on the commissioner's side, working on communications with players. Um, You know, he has some interest through what he's doing with the angels on the minor league side and um, working with them at their Dominican Academy really appeals to him. Um, You know, he mentioned to me that like it gives him an opportunity to, even if he wants to talk with a front office and get that perspective of the game, Um, all the things he told me, like, you know, when he was playing consumed by hitting, hitting, hitting and improving and playing and all that stuff that like, that was like, you know, he was obviously, as you know, laser focused on the performance aspect of the game, the personal performance aspect of the game and how that fit within a team. So this is now an opportunity for him to look at all the other places in the ecosystem of baseball um, and broadcast is where he's having the most time spent now, but it's not the only thing he's doing um, that all that said is, you know, he's got nine years remaining. It's a million dollars a year. It's the $10 million that was added on. It's the last of its type. Um, the it, personal services contracts like that are no longer allowed. And his was the last one. Um, so there's nine million owed on it. If there's a way out of it, it's to take a permanent job that matches that and then frees up the angels of their commitment. Or it's the angels and that team and Albert coming to an agreement on how that is handled or it's Albert walking away from it. Um, you know, it's, it is structured like an option in a way, right? Sure. Um, whereas if he didn't want to do that, you don't have to, and then you don't get paid. Um, I don't know why you'd walk away from 9 million. And there's a lot of other reasons why he wouldn't than just the money, um, do in part to like when he signed that contract, but you could, he'd have to work out something there. Um, baseball etiquette is such that if he were to be offered a full-time role with the team, that the angels would either match that and then pay out his salary or understand that he'd be going for a quote unquote promotion and then work out the finances from there. But yeah, I mean, it's such a, and such an unusual situation because a, he's such a great player. B he's such a high profile player and C it's so much money still tied on to that thing that I don't, you know, I don't quite know how it will work, but you know, all right. I don't quite know. There's ways out, but I don't know what way they choose. Yeah. It's interesting. It really is. I want to get into the baseball writers dinner. You'll be celebrating the uh, 2004 national league champions. I don't know if you agree with this, but in my mind, in the last 30 years of Cardinal baseball, I, I think this is the best team. This is probably the most entertaining team they went out there, and there was the same pitcher every fifth day. 
They didn't have many yeah. injuries. They had Hall of Famers on this team, and at that time, you didn't know it. You knew they were really good, but they became Hall of Famers. This is a hell of a team. I, I'm excited that you guys are celebrating the 04 NL champions. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, like they, they look at the Dodgers, the, the current Dodgers with the adding of Otani, right? If Kershaw comes back, how many Hall of Famers do you have on that, or potential Hall of Famers do you have on that team? That's right. Freeman, Mookie, uh, Kershaw, and Otani, right? Yeah. Um, am, I, am I missing anybody? No, I'm going around uh, the diamond. I think you got it. Right. So, and then and I was talking to somebody over there on the podcast, the best podcast in baseball. And they say, how rare is that for a team to have four Hall of Famers? And I was like, well, in the back of my head, I was like, well, 04 had Larry Walker, Albert Pujols, Scott Rowland, and Yadier Molina. And that's the start. Yeah. And then um, you start, start thinking about Cardinal Hall of Famers and Jimmy Edmonds yeah. and Isringhausen. Uh, yep. I think Edgar Renteria eventually will go in. And you should. Don't, yeah, that's up to the fans right now, yeah. And don't forget you had Tony La Russa at the helm. There's another Hall of Famer. Right. So, yeah, that, that team was awfully good, man. They were fun to and watch. Dave Duncan was the pitching coach who some think should be in the Hall of Fame. So, And another Cardinal I mean, Hall of Famer would be Matt Morse. Right, yeah, deserving of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, – I don't. I, it's interesting, Dan. Like, I, I, I want to lump the 04 and 05 teams together just so you don't have to choose between the two. Yeah, I agree. Like, that, those, That's those a good point. Those are dynamo teams. When you uh, decide to put on the baseball writer's dinner, and this is still one of the chapters that, that does it, uh, tell us about it. So if somebody's going to the event, what it's like, what it, uh, who it benefits, and, and why you guys continue to put this on. Yeah, well, one of the reasons why we can just to start with your last one, one of the reasons why we continue to put it on is because it's our way of respecting and and maintaining things that started long before us. Um, you know, Bob Bragg and Rick Hummel, these are two people, two baseball writers who obviously have contributed a lot to the history of baseball and history of baseball writing in this town. Um, and both are honored there in Cooperstown with the Career Excellence Award from the BBWM. And so it should mean a lot to us um, as a way to maintain and respect and celebrate their legacies, to be honest. Um, so that's part of why what drives us to continue to put it on. Um, the other part is just as big as St. Louis's love and commitment and devotion and, you know, relationship with baseball it makes it possible. So these two things are kind of the double helix of the dinner, right? They, they keep it going, you know, as we try to honor the legacies of the folks who put so much time into the dinner, but also reflect how much baseball means and how popular baseball is in this town and how, you know, fans and people who come to the dinner want to also nurture and maintain kind of that flame of history. So it's these things come together. Um, you know, we spend pretty much 10 months or so of the year planning uh, the dinner, trying to put together sponsors and think about like different events we've had lead up events in previous years especially as we try to get the dinner back off the ground after the pandemic um which was a challenge for so many dinners as as you know as i'm sure everybody knows um so we've had events that kind of feed into the dinner and all the planning there um you know one of the things that we've done is we've gone to the mac which has been a great uh host for us and a great partner for us and it's such a great venue downtown for the dinner um it's also opened up the chance for us to have a vip uh event beforehand last year um, for a vip ticket you were able to sit in on a small room um and uh and 
have Rick Hummel and and talk and answer questions. We have a similar VIP plan this year that more details will be about available here in the coming weeks. Um, but it's going to be the same kind of thing. Small room, small venue, um, exclusive conversation, maybe a chance to ask questions, all those things. Um, and then, of course, the dinner. Um, you know, the dinner gets to be this merging of baseball history and also baseball present. Um, we've done our best to try to bring in uh, minor leaguers and introduce them for the first time, but also bring it back, um, you know, popular players and key contributors from past teams. And so you might have the 04 team, um, you know, here, but yeah, there'll be members of the 04 team at the dinner and there'll also be members of the 2028 team at the dinner um, as we honor some of the minor leaguers who have won awards like uh, like a Victor Scott the second who's going to get his gold glove that night for that he won in the minors so you can see this blend at the dinner now what does it do what what is the purpose of this dinner well it's 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 to raise money um, for uh, scholarships awards and internships that uh, the St. Louis baseball writers chapter which is a not-for-profit um, organizes, runs, and delivers. And, you know, one, there were two, um, I could go on at length about this, Dan, but yeah. I have personal connections to two of them. Great. When I was a student at Mizzou, I won one of the scholarships from the baseball riders. Um, you know, here was this kid from Colorado trying to make a way, trying to find out if it was ever possible to cover baseball. And at a time when that wasn't real clear to me how I got to, how I got to how I would get from Mizzou to covering baseball. Here I got this uh, this honor, this scholarship from uh, from the baseball writers to kind of help me pursue it um, in my senior year at Mizzou. Um, and then of course we have the Rick Hummel internship, which is something that is very close to me as we started it uh, back in 08 um, as a way to honor and, and celebrate his. Um, selection for the Career Excellence Award with where he joined other St. Louis writers there in Cooperstown. Um, we wanted to do something different than just a scholarship. We wanted to see if we could start fostering and identifying, I guess in the other way around, identifying and fostering sort of the next generation of baseball writers. And Rick wanted that to be something that was housed at Mizzou and available to Mizzou students like he was. And it's something that we have continued. And one of the humble interns that we have um, through the years is like now my boss, right? Ben Fredrickson is my boss. Oh, right? of course so he is. He's he everybody's. Yeah. And he goes from intern to uh, to to super columnist, you know? And, I love it. Uh, I love it. That's just such a success. And so we're very excited because in 2024, we'll have that humble internship back, um, you know, and it's, it's a great way to honor my um, late colleague who meant so much to us and meant so much to baseball writing. Derek, very quickly, the date and the best way to get tickets. January 14th, and you can Google St. Louis Baseball Writers Dinner, and it should take you to the tickets, um, you know, or on Facebook, the STLBBWAA, um, or on uh, the, uh, the machine formerly known as Twitter. You can also find it at St. Louis BBWAA. Um, there. Um, search or type that in and uh, there'll be links to tickets and updates on some of the people who will be honored and all of it. Awesome. All of it's available. There. 
Awesome. Hey, Derek, can't thank you enough for your time. You've been gracious with it. Good luck with the dinner, and I'm sure we'll catch up very soon. Looking forward to it, Dan. Thank you so much for having me on and for allowing me to uh, talk at length about the dinner. Hope you have a happy holidays, and happy holidays to all your listeners. Thank you, buddy. Merry Christmas to you. We'll talk Mizzou football and basketball. Chris Trevino is coming up. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 101 ESPN on a Friday morning. Getting a chance to fill in for Tim McKernan and getting the chance to visit with one of my favorites. He works on the radio side of both the football broadcast and the basketball broadcast at the University of Missouri. And that's Chris Trevino. Chris, great to be with you and thanks for hopping on. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. My pleasure. Were you excited? What was your reaction to here in Mizzou to the Cotton Bowl? What was your initial reaction? Well, it was exciting, I thought. What a great matchup, you know, playing obviously a big-time opponent in Ohio State. So I think that game, that team will get a lot of attention, obviously, around the country. And uh, for Missouri, you know, a, a just reward really for an impressive season. Uh, Ten wins and the SEC is nothing to uh, – you know, sneeze at, and of course, uh, there are only two losses at Georgia in a close game and home to LSU in a close game. So uh, really well done by the Tigers. They've got a great chance to cap it off in a big way uh, with another worthy opponent, the Buckeyes, who they haven't seen in years, of course. Do you think it's fair to say that for Missouri, they are all in with the Cotton Bowl, and with Ohio State, maybe it's a letdown because of the loss to Michigan. Their QB is now in the transfer portal. You don't know about Marvin Harrison Jr., whether or not he's going to play. Is that a fair assessment of how to look at this, at least initially? Well, I think probably so. That's how many of us are at least thinking now. And, of course, there's still a ways before that game will actually be played. But, you know, consider this. When the pairing came out right away, Ohio State was favored by six and a half. And last time I checked, Missouri is now favored by two and a half. Wow. So that's a huge swing of nine points, but somewhat understandable when you mentioned, as you did, that Kyle McCord, the quarterback for the Buckeyes, is in the transfer portal. They've got several other players that seem to be weighing their options, whether they're going to play or not. Now, you know, we'll have to kind of monitor that as time goes on. It, it seemed like a many were not going to play. Now a few have said they're going to play and try to cap off their careers. But certainly I think different trajectories for the teams and, you know, di different attitudes and maybe availabilities, of course, of, of players. You've got Ohio State, as you mentioned, lost to Michigan third year in a row, by the way, that Ohio State has not won the Big Ten or even played in the championship game because of its three straight losses to Michigan. And, of course, for Missouri, this is a real uh, a big deal, obviously, to get to a New Year's Six Bowl and have – uh, such a good season. Not not quite the consistency at the top of the polls that the Tigers had as the Buckeyes have had for many years, obviously. How about the transfer portal for Missouri? What are you hearing going in? What are you hearing going out? Well, they've got uh, two good ones so far coming in. Uh, Toriano Pride, the quarterback originally from East St. Louis, has been at Clemson, has a lot of experience there. So he's coming in. And of course, the, that'll likely fill a void because, uh, you know, both Chris Abrams, Drain, and Ennis Rakestraw could leave 
for the NFL draft, the two starting corners who have really been good. And then, of course, the running back, uh, Marcus Carroll, out of uh, Georgia State, has just uh, announced he's going to transfer to Missouri. And, of course, that also fills a void with Cody Schrader, who's had such a great season, the St. Louis, and uh, done with his eligibility. So that's a really good start, you know, especially that cornerback position defensively and then to help with the depth uh, at the running back spot with a, a proven guy who's done very well. So, you know, there there are two that we know of and probably more on the way. Cody Schrader, what are you hearing about pro prospects with him, if if any, in terms of running back, special teams? I don't care what it is, but him being on the field as a pro, what do, what do you hear about that? Well, you know, I think he's got a chance. I mean, gosh, who would bet against him after what we've seen? It's just unbelievable. First team All-American, uh, SEC leading rusher, top 10 in the Heisman Trophy uh, balloting. I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible story. Uh, what he's been able to do here. So, yeah, I think all that's in play, Uh, you know, potentially uh, an NFL uh, chance, uh, certainly uh, uh, could be drafted, you know, I don't exactly know when. It's still early in that whole process. But obviously as a a running back, a special teams contributor, all of the above, I mean, he's just that type of kid. And just what a great, great example. I mean, to to come to Missouri after being up at Truman State and Kirksville, really not having – uh, any significant interest uh, from D1 schools, and and lo and behold, here he is. J- just an incredible story, and uh, just kept getting better and better as the season went on. It was just amazing to watch him down the stretch just gain, it seemed, confidence, momentum, and productivity. Chris Trevino is our guest. You'll hear him all the time on the Missouri basketball broadcast. Sidelines for Missouri football does a tremendous job. I'm going to put you on the on the spot here now, Chris. Did you have any idea... And let's be honest here. Did you have any idea that you were going to see this coming from this young man and Cody Schrader? Did anybody have any idea? Oh, no. I mean, there's no way. And I'm not ashamed to admit that. I just <laughs> tip, my, tip my cap or uh, tip my microphone, I guess, to Cody. No, what a what a pleasant surprise. Had had no idea. You know, I knew, obviously, watching him uh, here, uh, even before this season, he was a hard worker, seemed to get the most out of his ability, but he hadn't quite gotten the most out of his ability. There was more still in there. And uh, no, I thought, you know, he would play and be a contributor, valuable team guy. I knew they thought highly of him when he was named team captain. But, you know, there's a guy, Nathaniel Pete, who had started out at Stanford, a a Columbia kid from Rockbridge High School who came back. And, you know, a lot of us thought he would really have the the leg up, so to speak. But uh, Cody just kept grinding away, grinding away. And it was uh, not to be denied. And and, you know, it really got to where, obviously, they weren't even really sharing reps by the end of the season. Cody was the man and just a workhorse, just seemed to get stronger as each game went on, stronger as the season went on. So, complete surprise and, obviously, a huge reason for Missouri's success. And, you know, there you have a 1,000-yard rusher, a 1,000-yard receiver and Luther Burden, and then, of course, the quarterback, Brady Cook. I mean, you got those three kids, all from St. Louis, by the way. They have really been uh, – you know, the trifecta for Missouri uh, this season and then three big, big reasons for the success. Pretty amazing, the story of Brady Cook to go from what some people thought being booed at Faroe Field to now being someone that you say, if he's not on the field, we're in trouble. It's amazing how the season progressed for him. Absolutely, and, you know, all he did, too, was just work, work, work and ignore the naysayers, and trust me, there were a lot of them, and, and he just, uh, you know, came back from that injury and off-season shoulder surgery and, I thought had a, a great camp and 
you know, let's not forget either. Coach Drinkwitz was saying this is a quarterback competition and it's a battle. Now, maybe that was his way of, of motivating Brady or just giving him a little extra push. But, uh, you know, they were talking about is it going to be him or, or Sam Horn. And, and, and Sam, great young guy, obviously has all the athleticism in the world, good baseball player and football player. But to me, there was no contest just watching the practices and scrimmages that I saw preseason Granted, I wasn't out there all the time. I'm not pretending to be there as much as the coaching staff, but I thought Brady had a great camp and, I mean, just never missed a beat and was so good throughout the season. Just a great story. You know, St. Louis kid came to Bazoo Games as as a kid with his dad and uh, just loves the Tigers. And, you know, Dan, in this day and age, so many guys would have given up or entered the transfer portal, looked for playing time elsewhere, but he really knew what he wanted and he got there. What are you hearing about recruiting in general, not just about transfer portal? And well, I'm going to ask you about basketball in a moment, which has been exceptional. But football, what are you hearing about uh, what's happening with the Tigers going into to this offseason? Well, I think they're feeling pretty good, you know, and, and Coach Drinkwitz really has recruited uh, well, it seems, the last few years, if you believe the, the recruiting ratings. Now we're starting to see some of the fruits of those labors on the field. We were wondering, I think it's fair to say, heading into this past season, number four, when he didn't have a winning season yet, but Manny broke through that with uh, 10 wins this season. And, you know, you look at the schedule just released, I think, for next season. I think it's extremely favorable, again, with Missouri's first four games at Faroe Field, three non-conference games they should certainly handle, and then Vanderbilt to start the SEC. I mean, it's a lot like this year when they started 5-0. and and, and don't uh, kid yourself if you don't think that has a big part scheduling and timing of how the season goes. And Missouri got great confidence from that this year, and I'd expect another big season next year. But I think recruiting's good. They've got the top kid in the state, the defensive end, Williams Winery, from over at uh, Lee's Summit North on the Kansas City side of the state. A lot of talent in St. Louis. I know they're hoping to cultivate and bring in here. It's a a busy recruiting time, as you know, these next few days. So, you know, I think it's all good. There's a lot of momentum, really, at Missouri football and basketball. Hey, Chris, you do such a great job on the Missouri broadcast. Huge fan, as you know, for many, many years and a great friend. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll catch up down the road. Well, you've been very kind. Thank you, Dan. Merry Christmas to you and your listeners. 101 ESPN has your chance to score a pair of tickets. We'll talk about that when we come back. Also, a couple of signings in baseball to update you as well. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin filling in for Tim McKernan. 101 ESPN has your chance to score a pair of tickets to Def Leppard and Journey with Cheap Trick on July 6th at Bush Stadium. Tickets for Def Leppard, Journey, Cheap Trick at Bush Stadium go on sale this Friday, December 15th. Rock, you have a trivia question for those to text in at 314-399-9646. Texter number 33 on this one, pretty, pretty simple. What famous television show ended with Journey's Don't Stop Believing"? I know the answer. Texter number 33, don't say it yet, Dan. I won't. News this hour concerning baseball. Tyler Glass now and the Dodgers finalized their deal. Five years, $135 million contract that would uh, officially complete the deal between Tampa Bay and Los Angeles. That would give the Dodgers, by the way, a starting rotation, if my math is correct, that has combined 37 Tommy John surgeries. <laughs> In 2024, uh, the rotation looks like Walker Bueller, Tyler Glasnow, Bobby Miller, Ryan Yarbrough, Emmett Sheehan. Now, advance it 2025, Otani. 
Glass now, Bueller, assuming he's signed, Gonsolin and Bobby Miller. That's pretty darn good. Finally, Ken Rosenthal reports Michael Walker, the former Cardinal, uh, to the Royals. Two years, $32 million, opt out after the first year. Thanks for having me in on the 10 o'clock hour. It is BK, Ferrario, and Tanner. They're coming up next. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.